welcome to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 film by Cameron Crowe, Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Watchmen Minute. I'm Tierney Steele of MASH Minute. And I'm Robert Black from The Room Minute. Hey, ending out the week here with uh, Robert and Tierney. So glad to have you both. Robert, how you doing? Good, good. Yeah. Was your, was your night on the couch pretty good? Or a couple nights there? Actually, I, I wandered out looking for America. Oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> I wonder where, wonder where <laughs> she she is. Yeah, um, yeah and Tierney, how are you doing? I want to be fair to Elaine. Adolescence is a marketing tool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I'm doing very well. <laughs> all right, so this is uh, Minute 9 here on the end of the week, uh, Friday. And it starts with Elaine and Anita talking about adolescence and ends with Anita explaining through a song why she's leaving home. She's leaving home. Bah, Not bah. that song. I sung, I sung something. But if it's Beatles, I'll have to sing it. Okay. So anyone else interested in the shine it on <laughs> phrase? I wasn't quite sure i i was very distracted in the scene because i am seven years older than my only sibling and so i very much relate to the awkwardness of being much older and how you do kind of become this weird extra parent oh okay yeah even when you have both your parents in your life like you can't help it it's just like fuck up kid it's gonna be okay like you just you have to assume that role and you do kind of end up parenting your sibling in this weird relationship that develops and so i was really i was really feeling it for her but that was that was a little weird where i was just like okay not really sure what exactly you mean by that but i i get what you're going for there it's a sweet (laughs) impulse (laughs) well yeah i mean you know and it's and it's at the beginning of that, uh, of that line, of this line of hers, it's, it's, you know, I, know says, I know you were, puberty. you were expecting puberty. Yeah. <laughs> so is this, is this shining on? Is that, is that, is that somehow related to puberty? But no, it really doesn't seem to be. I mean, it's just, you know. Oh, shining on. is just, you're just going to have to. Waiting. Keep pretending. Just, yeah, <laughs> Part of me is just like, oh my God, who would want puberty to be- to come and then i distinctly remember <laughs> my friend being two years older than me and so just to overshare obviously she got her period before me and like the pure jealousy and it's like you know what i would give now to not have to deal <laughs> with that <laughs> yeah mine came but late you can't so, help it yeah. <laughs> yeah well substitute whatever boys look forward to with puberty <laughs> look forward to i don't know in a shared shower in middle school i guess it was um <laughs> we already covered that a couple minutes ago yeah um but i i am serious though as much as we are totally going to get to the badness of parental expectations and impositions mm-hmm. on their children god i would have loved an extra year to look around and follow my dream yeah. I would love that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. And 
and right at the right age too. Like right after high school, but like a gap I love year, that she but not recommends really. Because yeah. it it seems now like a gap year is always like the thing that the kid picks because they don't have something to do, and this is the parent recommending uh-huh. it. It's like a whole different angle. Yeah, I think that's fabulous. I I would love to just travel the world and see what I can say for a year. Well, and and really, I mean, I think you know, I think from a from a college professor's point of view, it really makes a lot of sense i think from her point of view um because you know it's it's she would think i think that it's you know you just you just you don't need to get dig jump straight from the end of high school straight into college i wish more students didn't <laughs> that that that's one of the best times to have have this kind of time off Versus, say, after college, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's when, that's when you're uh, supposed you, to get you, a job. You know, you make make the big decision for you know, at that point in time, I'm not sure if it was as big a decision as now, but it's, it's certainly a lot bigger now. But uh, you know, going on for a master's, yeah, or uh, or, or or finding the finding the job and the career. And I would think it'd be even more oppressive because so many people then pick their career and then that. They stayed in it. People didn't job hop the way they do now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is kind of this sense of you'd graduate from high school, you'd go straight to college. You'd graduate from college, you would get a job. You'd be in that job forever. Good luck. You're going to get married and have kids in that time. And that's your life. <laughs> yeah. But then too many people did that. So we had to start making some of them stay in college longer. And then we realized that perhaps that wasn't the best idea. <laughs> well, yeah, because now more people stay in college longer and now more people have to somehow stay in college even longer <laughs> to keep them out of the workforce. <laughs> and have teaching college freshmen most of the time, I wish more of them took a break after high school so they'd at least mm-hmm. be prepared for something else. I, I won't name names because... Well, I don't think any of them listen to this podcast, but my sister had a friend who was told she was going to college, specifically the family alma mater. And she had no interest in going to college and did not want to do it. And they made her. And shocker, it didn't go well. And it's just like, oh, my God. And she was this amazing. She should have gone to like a culinary school. Mm. And they were just like, no, you have to do this. And it's just like, are you kidding me? Do you know how expensive college is to force someone to go when they don't to to want the wrong to? One. Yeah. Yeah. It was absolutely infuriating. And again, because I have that weird, like, being older enough to be kind of in between them and the parents, where I was just like, um, excuse me. I am a recent college graduate, and it sucks. <laughs> that i wanted to do (laughs) but yeah i don't know i am so torn because i love this you know look around see what you like like that is that is the dream that is my mantra when you wake up (laughs) in the morning of be an optimist see what's in the world you got to keep exploring and all this stuff and life values and then she immediately goes 
he'll still be the youngest lawyer in the country. And I'm just like, well, yeah. oh, yeah. Ron, no. <laughs> that's that's her as in yeah. a nutshell right there. Right. Oh, Follow yeah. your dream. You'll still be the youngest lawyer in the country. Yeah. Oh. It's like super liberal. Right. No, that's... you're going to be a lawyer. And then what she says to Anita is total infuriating. Before we get there, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about McDormand as this character because, like, she's close to fifty when they film this, which means huh. Elaine, in theory, is born in the like the twenties, grew up during the Depression, and was probably during like World War II, went out and worked with the other huh. women who uh-huh. did, and so she has this like practical need for like liberation and individuality because that's what her life was, but also she was just young enough that when the counterculture came she'd be that conservative pushing against it because then she's probably married already and has to deal with it so she's got like this urge to be an individual but not too far i don't mean to ruin it yeah i don't think she's 50 i absolutely don't buy that 47 when they filmed this stuff yeah well but you have to then split it between this time period and the the four years later um I'm pretty sure it's four. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. I think she's younger. I think she's young 40s. So she'd be younger in this scene. Right? Yeah. yeah. And remember, Anita is still in high school. Yeah. Even if she had her later for that age. I mean, but she's old enough that like she's lived through several big swings, like changes mm. of the country. And so it yeah. makes sense there'd be a this weird dichotomy of like she's yeah. mm-hmm. liberal and conservative at the same time and yeah as I, a parent, I had an aunt like that that was probably roughly maybe the same age that she's supposed to be and yeah she yeah. was i mean she yeah you know or actually two aunts around there and then uh they were they were definitely you know loved loved the elvis but uh <laughs> had some other <laughs> kind of conservative takes on things too you know what i realized i was I was rebelling against it. I was trying to come up with a rebuttal because I don't read her as conservative at all. And I realized I was putting the 2019 definitions on things. Mm. (laughs) Elaine is not conservative. Right. It's different. Sitting here in the United States. I don't mean it it politically. I mean it socially. I mean, yes, yes. She, the opening up that is happening with this countercultural late sixties move she wants that to happen without changing her kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like, she, that is what she wants in the macro. But then when it comes to her children, she yeah. wants... Keep, a, keep them safe. It's a controlling factor. Yeah. I, I think well, it's yeah, a controlling factor. And even factor. With, with what's coming with Anita, she has more mm-hmm. of a reason to go toward that conservative angle in the scenes yeah. a few years further. Because mm-hmm. one kid left, and now she's just got this yeah. one. Yeah. The one, the good one. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that brings us to the Anita <sighs> saying, "What about me?" After so, so it's after uh, she just said, "Okay, the lawyer thing," and Elaine yeah, because she your says, "Dad was so proud of you. He knew, knew that you were predominantly an accelerated child." Anita says, "What about me?" When she raises her head, like she wants to ask this question and get an answer that's good, right? Yeah, and especially the fact that your dad was so proud of you. So, yeah. oh, and it's really well lit too. <laughs> but but the answer that Elaine gives isn't related to that stuff about their dad and no, yeah. and that that he knew that William was a predominantly accelerated child. 
Elaine's answer is you are rebellious and ungrateful of my love. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's all about, you know, for Elaine, you know, Anita and Elaine's relationship that, that what Elaine is really talking about there. Yeah. Doesn't seem to really answer the question. It's awful. It, it's so, it's such a sad little moment. It looks nice because the sunlight behind her and stuff, but it's, that mm-hmm. just makes it sadder. I think. Anita's face afterwards is everything. Yeah. It just, I, they're, they're doing so many studies that show how harmful it is to kids to even just say like, you are the smart one. You're the funny one. Even if every kid has a good thing, even if every kid's thing is positive, the fact that you are labeling them one thing versus their siblings is considered to be incredibly damaging. Yeah. And limits them and uh, then thinks their other things aren't standing out enough that you even notice and it affects so much. Tyranny, you, you, so you mentioned studies. I'm, I've been, ha- I've, I've had this kind of theory for these past few years. Do you know of any studies about names of children? Um, huh. leading to like careers and attitudes. I, I have heard like it, but only anecdotally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't read anything about it. Huh. But I know, I know that's come up a couple times. Of yeah, mm-hmm. don't name your sons Damien. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just going to become a cultural thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just. Mm, it it's really really heartbreaking to me that she says this to Anita, and I. It just puts me on Team Anita. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> there's no. Well, from Anita's point of view, I mean, there's, there's, okay, rebellious. I could see her going, yes, I am rebellious. But then mm-hmm. that second part, I'm like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, come on, please. You know, I'm, you know, I might not be so ungrateful if, <laughs> at least what, what, what Elaine perceives as ungrateful if things weren't, were a little different. And it's the way she says it. Elaine says it with such a resigned giving up in her voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She has completely yeah. given up on Anita at this point. <laughs> yeah. Given up. That's a good one. Um, so here, here is where I think you mentioned before, Robert, uh, uh, you know, there's this, the, yes, the cut. This, this cut is beautiful. <laughs> it's like you were rebellious, True. ungrateful. This is why I'm leaving home. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, yeah, that works. That's mm-hmm. perfect. We don't need anything else in between these moments. Yes. It's not even that that line is the reason she's leaving, but that's that's enough of a last straw. It's a beautiful, like, <laughs> And like I said, because Anita's face is just heartbroken, you wonder how different it, different it would have been if... If she hadn't said that. Do we know what the situation is with the dad? Um, from from Cameron Crowe's point of view, from his point of view, it, it's um. His dad was. His dad was around. 
Mm. Uh, or had they a divorce or something? But I, th- I think, I think what they, what, what they're, you know, what I think the movie is implying though is, is that mm. he probably had, had died or was just totally out of the picture. Yeah. Where that, as that wasn't, I'm awfully sure that wasn't the case for Cameron. Okay. He was in the picture. I'm awfully sure. Red. Oh. The Wikipedia doesn't yeah. mention his father being dead or gone. Right. Yeah. It it just made a lot more sense for the movie, I think. Well, yeah, you don't need an extra yeah. reaction to everything not, later. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you didn't need to be exact exacting about all the stuff. I mean, heck, you know, he creates this fic- fictional band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um. So, is there some anything, uh, Robert? Especially, I mean, I think. Tierney, I think you know you'll you'll be with us next week as a continuing co-host. What? Um, for 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 <laughs> the song America here that uh, Anita starts playing, but uh, Robert especially. Um, yeah, I figured you'll have more about because you barely hear it. You yeah. barely hear the song here; it's just the humming. Yeah, right. But yeah, I love this song and like mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I put in my notes as a quote from Garfunkel who says that he's talking about mm-hmm. them singing together. And he says it has a real upright, earnest quality because we both have the identical soul at that moment. We come from mm-hmm. the identical place in our attitude and the spine that's holding us up. We're the same person, same college kids striking out. Or I said that like it was baseball striking out. Striking <laughs> out. <laughs> it's the good striking out. Um, yeah. But I love that it's it's, it's such a happy, it's well, not happy, but it's earnest is a good word for it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even notice until today when I was looking up stuff about the song that it has no rhymes in it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's still, you don't notice because it's not that kind of song. It's this nice little story. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's a story. <laughs> yeah. And it's got these, it's got like sad moments in it where he, he mm. tells us, Kathy, I'm lost. And, and, and like, it's about people looking to figure out who they are. And mm. I saw it was good. Um, Rock History 101 on Consequence of Sound mentions Almost Famous in their article about this song. They said, uh, Cameron Crowe conveys in Almost Famous, the search for America is different for everyone. Whether it be an homage like experienced immigrants arriving on Ellis Island or becoming a stewardess, everyone is entitled to discover their America. Mm. And it's it's as good a reason as any to leave home, Mm. this song, or the feeling it conveys. This is one of the all-time great songs. And that's about being on a Greyhound. I've done that. I left home, went on a Greyhound. Uh, yeah, you personally, Robert? Yeah. 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 Oh, cool. I moved to Tennessee, and then I lived in Tennessee for a little while in Arkansas for a bit. And then I ended up returning back to L.A. because this fits me better. But traveling on Greyhound is a great thing you should do. <laughs> Probably when you were younger, you know, just when you're chasing your dream out of college and all that. But yeah. Yeah, but if if you're a girl, you got to get a little bit of years on you so that you have a better sense of safety and awareness. Yeah, yeah, probably, unfortunately. Yeah, because I've traveled. The, <laughs> the Greyhound stop in Springfield, Massachusetts is a trip so <laughs> i'm kind of <laughs> glad i wasn't going through there alone when i was only 18 years old that would have been a bit much but it, at 26 i was able to be like all right 
I don't need to pee that bad. <laughs> yeah. I did that at 23. I had dropped out of college the first time. So 23, it was like doing something new. I picked my grad school purely on it had to be far enough away that I couldn't live at my parents' house anymore. <laughs> All right. There were there were other programs that were perfectly credentialed that I could have commuted to and saved that money. And I specifically looked for, okay, it has to be over an hour away so that I move there. You can, you can avoid people at shorter distances. I live 12 miles from my parents and I see them just like on holidays. I'm bad. You are ungrateful of their love. (laughs) That's why I like Anita here. I'm ungrateful. Okay, bye. (laughs) Well, yeah, and that's and that's the thing is that the 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 parents' attitude at that point when you are x distance away is so close. Yeah, Yeah. so far. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What you want to be doing and so forth. Uh, Yeah, that can be a big thing. Um, the, the the only other thing is is that Elaine's saying we can't talk, we have to listen to rock music. <laughs> and, and again, I go back to her being a college professor, and she can't understand that. You know, hey, this is a mm-hmm. this is a yeah, she's not there yet. Something that uh, Anita, her daughter's found. We've already seen Elaine's opinion of Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> yeah. So, and then then the final thing to say about this usage of the song in helping to express something is done in the untitled cut. Oh. Um, it's not here. It's much later. It's, it's, it's a little bit later on, um, but it's, it's, and it's William, you know, and it's, he's playing not America. He's playing stairway to heaven huh. that we don't, that you don't hear. You're instructed to put it on because they didn't get the rights. <laughs> <for Led Zeppelin. laughs> they got the, the rights for the five other songs. I think it is oh. a total of five other songs, but Led Zeppelin said, "Nope, not that one." That's so true. he didn't even you denied. Know, he, he, he would have included it in the theatrical if 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 it had stayed. Yeah, then they would have paid sure for it. Read. Yeah, but even um, in the entitled, he can't he can't use it there. The actual song. So, say, so it's a little instruction to. Everyone put on your copy of that we all own. I love that. Well, that's my dad plays Stairway to Have It on the Piano. He transposed it when he was, Mm -hmm. you know, high school, college kid. And so that's been one of my favorite songs, but as a piano version. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's my favorite. But yeah, I. I like the idea of them communicating, but that both he and Anita have that ability to communicate by music which seems like such a usually it's on such a shallow level like you make a mixtape for someone and are trying to like get them to think of you with certain songs and i like that they apply it to their lives as a whole (laughs) okay are there any uh, further notes that either of you have well my last thing doing these three minutes is it's a nice like little package because in the opening shot when he says uh, the letter U, he's picks up the album bookends. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. At the end of this, yep. we get yeah. that album playing. So it was wrapped up in a nice package. Okay, and Tierney, you have a... Why does he get to leave and I don't... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have anything for this minute, just about the movie in general. So 
Well, yeah. Um, right, yeah. So uh, that, that yeah. you know, Tierney, you, you go ahead first. Uh, what is your history with the movie? The first time you saw it and how often, how, how many times you've seen it? My history with this movie, I've alluded to, obviously, my parents were kids of their older than William, but still had a lot of these same albums floating around. Uh, my dad is one of nine kids, but the sibling he's closest to, she sings and she married a guy in a band and like this, and then her kids have a band and have done CDs. And so like, wow. it, it was just kind of in the air. Like, that's why, even though there are a lot of Almond or, you know, Eagle songs I like better than Almond Brothers songs, like, come on, you got to give it to them. Um, <laughs> but what I really loved is I don't know exactly when I first saw this. It wasn't in the theaters. It was at home. And we bought the DVD of this. And it was like kind of a big deal. I mostly still had VHS at that point. But my dad wanted the special features. And I remember sitting with him and going through all the special features. And it wasn't like the only DVD we had. But it was like, okay, no, we're getting the DVD of that one. We're, we're making an effort. And I loved um, when I was thinking about your four bands because the interviews with, oh God, is it Nancy Wilson from Heart? Yeah, right. Oh, yes. thank God. All of a sudden I was just like, yeah. I, 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 I like, could see her, but I was worried I was going to say the wrong name. Um, one of the first um video home videos we have of me is when I hit that little kid age where they start bouncing with music <laughs> and it's my dad put on Barracuda and is trying to get me to do that for the camera. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's my dad like bent down next to me, helping me stand up being like, come on Tierney and like bouncing. Cause you know how kids never do it once you actually have the camera out yeah, right, right. <laughs> and it's us dancing to Barracuda. <laughs> it's one of the first first home videos there is of little baby tyranny and so watching all those years later the special features of my dad and nancy wilson talking about the music and how they created Stillwater, how they made a fake band but grounded it in that reality was just so interesting and i loved it and the reason i said anita elaine feels much younger to me is that my dad's father was born in the twenties and there was just, uh -huh. he just didn't get it at all. Like there was, <laughs> he, he wasn't like crazy uptight about it or anything, but he's just like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I'm going to go listen to the Smothers brothers. You do your thing and I'll do mine. <laughs> so she seems a little bit more like she's straddling the generations to me. But yeah, I just, and I absolutely love this. I mean, it's, I have it, now, um, I don't watch it as often, but I quote it all the time. Like, it's just such a cultural touchstone now. It, it's almost weird. It's like you don't have to watch it that often because you know it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so, and uh, Robert, what's your history with the movie? Uh, well, even before this movie, like say anything is still one of my favorite movies okay. ever. So once that, after that, any movie, like I saw singles when it came out, Jerry Maguire, almost famous. I saw it opening weekend. I bought it on videotape when it came out. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, and I don't watch it often enough, but that's cause I watch a lot of movies, but I was just looking at yeah. 
Cameron Crowe's like filmography and I realized there was like those four movies in a row of his that I've seen and then it's like spotty where I skip a couple, I see one, I skip a couple. Mm-hmm. And like I should maybe see some more of these. Maybe they're not as good, but I feel like I should still see them. Uh, 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 Elizabeth Town is that one yeah. you have? That's one I haven't seen. Yeah. Oh, you haven't. Okay. Yeah. I, I suggest that. I I I actually got around to watching that just a month ago, maybe roughly. You know, and uh, it's pretty enjoyable. Had, had had some you know good you know uh, life lessony type things. You know, similar to this. I I actually wish this ways. movie, Almost Famous, mm-hmm. had come when I was younger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because it's a great. I mean, just that whole thing from Elaine about following your dream and stuff. There's, it's a message that's in tons of movies, but this movie conveys it really well. Mm-hmm. Is it? And with parenting, even you got to like, let them out on their leash and let them do things. They'll come back or they'll do whatever. And let people be people. As long as they're not you know, hurting anybody. See, I, I could kind of say, I, I wish it had come out or it had come out when I was younger in order to, have have had a a more variety of of classic rock <laughs> <laughs> knowledge of of more bands possibly that way and so yeah yeah that i was that i had there's a there's a window of music that i'm not as familiar with because the ages of what my older sisters were mm. and so mm-hmm. there was like 50s music of my parents and then 80 late 70s or and 80s music yeah. and there was a gap in for the 60s that I only got into later. Hmm. Okay. Well, um, and even though, uh, this is the end for you, Robert, for this mm-hmm. week, um, I, I do believe we have, have in mind, uh, some future episodes for you to be yeah. on future minutes. Um, and, uh, Tierney, we'll, we'll have back here. You'll, you'll be back on Monday. Won't you? I'm stacking mine. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks in a row. You are not getting rid of me. <laughs> and then, then be back even even later as well, I believe. Yeah. That'd be we'll great. figure it out. <laughs> uh, so any any uh, last minute real, real quick plugs, if you want to just say again real real quick, your your websites and so forth, just so that way people can find you, your social media. Um, website, lemmingdrops.com. Uh, social media, I have way too many, but if you click my name, Robert E.G. Black, mm-hmm. you'll find my annoying side where I get into political arguments and everything else. Which will get you to the other stuff, too. But... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm onesteelsister.com, end of Twitter, end of yelling on Twitter. And uh, <laughs> mashminute.com is where you can find the hub for my movies by minute podcast yeah very cool and uh for this show you know we have uh we have our our twitter handle um at almost famous men uh for me personally uh there's always the uh uh at lucky mustard and and instagram uh lucky mustard dean just add the ing to lucky mustard um also though for a show we have our you know our facebook page facebook.com slash almost famous minute and our group there is called the Band-Aids Lister Society. So, and then the only other thing I think I want to want to give a good old shout out, uh, respect for um, Pete and Alex at Star Wars Minute, the guys who created got this whole movies by minutes stuff ball rolling. And you can actually go to uh, moviesbyminutes.com 
to see all currently, time of this recording, 127 uh, different shows right now. Wow. Yippee! <laughs> Bringing it oh, back to so... Star Wars. <laughs> so I think that will do for this uh, week three, minute nine here, and we'll be back on Monday for with uh, minute number ten. Until then, it's all happening. It's all happening. It's all happening in my sleeping bag where I will be for the next two days. (laughs) (laughs) I am a golden god! it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football fantasypoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points fantasypoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play whether you play fantasy football daily fantasy sports or do a little bit of everything fantasy points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.